Welcome back to Upfront, the podcast with me, Katie Hannan. On Upfront on Monday night, we had a debate on neutrality and the subject of Ireland's subsea cables was brought up by Claire Daly. She said that the idea that we need to protect Ireland's subsea cables uh, as an argument for joining a wider military alliance was a red herring. When I was in the Dáil, I'm on record repeatedly as flagging down the problems in our naval services, which have only got worse. The root of that problem was not because we're not in a military alliance, it was because we didn't pay our sailors enough, because when we trained people and invested them to able seamen level, then they were let go. Now it's even worse. Now it's even worse. But what's our response to that? Our response to that is to use those resources to align with NATO exercises in protecting cables, which are private cables, and which have really nothing got to do with us. If they break down, which they do regularly, the capacity is absorbed by it. It's a red herring to say we need to go into NATO to protect undersea cables. It's a, it's a, okay. a false so on this week's podcast, we thought it would be worthwhile to do a deep dive, if you'll forgive the pun, into what lies beneath Ireland's maritime zone and whether or not we need to be concerned about what happens there. And to do just that, I'm delighted to say I am joined from Helsinki in Finland by Owen McNamara, an Irish academic at the Finnish Institute of International Affairs. Just tell me a little bit about what you do there for Stone, if uh, just to to give us a sense of your research interests. Well, I work at the Finnish Institute of International Affairs, which is a public service research institute uh, that tries to make academic basic research accessible for the wider public, primarily in Finland, but also within the EU as Finland is an EU member. So can you explain just on the most basic level what are these subsea cables? What do they do? What are they for? Well, these subsea cables, um, they travel between North America and and Europe. Uh, it is reckoned that 75% of them pass through or near Ireland's maritime exclusive economic zone, uh, endows certain economic rights, exploration rights, uh, on Ireland, but it's very different, of course, from from territorial waters, which only extend twelve nautical miles off the coast of Ireland. Uh, but of course, um, in different tacit ways, um, Ireland does have primary uh, responsibility uh, for a lot of that undersea infrastructure, which is, after all, economic inf- infrastructure. Okay, I'll get back to that whole idea of who is responsible for it. Uh in a moment. But just to explain to people, what goes through these cables? What do we need these cables for? Well, most of our internet traffic um, that, that, that travels, uh, that connects Ireland, I mean, um, these cables are actually, are, are actually quite exposed. They run along the seabed. Uh, there's been debates now for many decades um, on whether we, we need to uh, transfer a lot of this data transfer to satellites, but satellites are very expensive. And transferring to that technology has been very, very slow. So, so the cables persist. I mean, if we want to look at financial transactions, Ireland is uh, quite a significant financial centre globally now across the world. Uh, we're talking $10 trillion in, in financial transaction a day flowing under the sea, essentially, through, through these cables globally. But of course, if we look at the European Union and we look at the United States, that transatlantic into interconnection, which Ireland finds itself pretty much at the centre of, is a very, very significant interconnection in these global transactions. So 
we're talking we're talking a lot of internet traffic we're talking a lot of financial traffic and it's very very significant infrastructure yeah and it is actual fiber because i i actually have uh a few inches of a cable from the original transatlantic cable that that linked valencia to newfoundland uh you know that that original link and what's there now is not that different to that is it it's like it's 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 like it's just a regular cable. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, it's 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 fiber optic cable. It probably with some protections around it, some other materials, uh, plastic, Kevlar, uh, metals, uh, some other things uh, potentially to protect it. But essentially, these cables, they one one cable would have the dimensions approximate to to a broom handle. A lot of them, so so very very thin, uh, very very narrow. Of course, cables break down all the time; they get damaged. Uh, anchors from ships, things like that, uh, can cut cables. And the density of these cable networks is is such that uh, the system simply, the logistic systems behind these simply reroute uh, transactions or interactions. Uh, uh, to other cables, but it is, of course, the nodal points, the subsea nodal points, uh, where where there's very very high cable density, uh, w- where a lot of data flows through, and of course, if if they are disrupted, um, that can cause um, that can cause a lot of difficulties, uh, verging on havoc at, at crucial times if there is intent uh, to provoke. I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear how much of that transatlantic communication still relies on physical infrastructure. Because I am, I think a lot of people would have assumed that a lot of it would have moved on to satellite comms at this stage. And you're saying that just simply because satellites are so expensive that we are going to be relying on these this fiber optic cable for for a long time into the future. For for some time to come, uh, I I would estimate, uh, yeah, uh, satellite technology is is very expensive. You know, we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis right now. Uh, Most of these costs will be passed on to the consumer, uh, internet providers, data centers, all the rest of it, and 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 uh, the expense margin uh, w- will be driven up. So it's been discussed, but but progress has 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 been surprisingly slow. Okay, yeah. Well, talk about just how vulnerable those cables are, then, because I know we we all saw what happened to the Nord Stream a gas line or a pipeline last year. Is there has there been much evidence of? Um, deliberate uh, attacks on these on these lines yeah so if, if we widen if we widen the discussion to um, to pipelines and cables um, it was January 2022 that the Arctic island of Norway it's called Schwabald, um a lot of science goes on there and, and, and exploration. And so its connectivity is actually very, very important that a data cable linking Norway to Schwabald was severed. And very, very recently in early October, uh, the Baltic connector pipeline, uh, you know, carrying natural gas between Finland and Estonia um, w- was was damaged. Um, the investigation here is is still ongoing, but it seems now the primary suspect was a Hong Kong flagged ship that dragged its anchor and uh, battered um, the the Baltic connector. Uh, they reckon it will be out of action 
uh, for six months, and the Estonians and the Finns have had to um, resource supply uh, from elsewhere. We have seen uh, Russia and others target this infrastructure in the past, so uh, or at least loiter with intent. So, so we don't know. It, it, the sea uh, is 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 a very dark and hidden place. So there's lots of room for plausible deniability and lots of room. Uh, for for improvised tactics, so it, it's quite a cheap way uh, to sow in insecurity if if that is your aim, and and that is generally the aim of Russian hybrid tactics. Yeah, because of course people will remember what turned into almost like a a paddy wackery story of the the Russian exercise, the Russian uh, naval exercise that was to take place off the southwest coast, and the the uh, fishermen from West Cork basically facing down. Uh, <laughs> The the Russians and saying, get out of our fishing waters. And uh, the Russians kind of eventually just went away. But there were question marks over what was underneath those fishing waters, wasn't there? Yeah, of course. I mean, there... It, 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 that that um, those exercises were, were scheduled for a place with very high um, cable density. Uh, there's also a very busy air corridor uh, overhead. Um, and there, there's lots of lots of economic activity uh, that 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 flows essentially through this area, linking Ireland, the UK, and France. And it's it's often said, and 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 the Chinese, other powers that are now seeking to 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 challenge the West, that uh, he who controls the, controls the flows and the connections, or maybe with with slightly more malign intent. He who can disrupt the connections uh, will gain a lot of power in this emer- emerging security environment, this emerging geopolitical environment uh, that is unfolding in front of us. OK, can I get to the, the responsibility issue then? Because as Claire Daly pointed out on that programme, we don't own these cables. These are private enterprises. Um, they're not pieces of national infrastructure. So who's responsible? Why should we be responsible for, for securing them and protecting them? Well, uh, th- this is true. I mean, I mean, I- in the sense that in I- our, our exclusive economic zone does not endow us uh, with, with sovereign rights. Uh, it it is only our, our territorial waters, as I mentioned, um, that extend um, twelve nautical miles uh, off our coast, where, where we have sovereign rights. Um, but it is a kind of a grey zone that Ireland's reputation, its reputation as 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 a major global data center, uh, you know, a major global data hub. We've all these technology multinationals in Ireland, all this foreign direct investment. Uh, they rely on, on this infrastructure, um, and of course, um, you know. Infrastructure still needs to be protected. It's it's it's, it's a bit of a grey zone under under the international law of the sea. Um, but there need patrols, naval patrols uh, on on all sorts of maritime activity, fisheries, other naval uh, services monitoring our waters, um, undersea infrastructure. You know that that still goes on all around us. Um, 
all around us, whether we talk about about rights or, or responsibilities or not, that that is it is a positive thing to do. It is positive for our economy. And and I think one other thing that Claire Daly said, I mean that that I that that you you can only disagree with. I mean I've I've done uh, research on on the NATO alliance uh, and NATO partnerships. Those who want some sort of flexible cooperation with NATO while staying outside the alliance. I've I've written papers about Ireland about it. I've done work on Nordic Baltic security when um, when Finland and Sweden were outside the alliance Sweden still is for now and partnerships you know it's very different from being within the alliance being a member of the alliance uh, being under NATO's article 5 its collective security guarantee so if we look at something like um, it's called NATO's critical undersea infrastructure infrastructure protection cell it's a bit of a mouthful, that <laughs> That's one. Say. Yeah, yeah. If we look at it, that, has just been stood up in the spring this year. I mean, if if we look at what NATO are proposing there, they're proposing to facilitate engagement with industry and bring key military and civilian stakeholders together, and and to leverage innovative technologies. Um, so it's 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 not treaty-based uh, alliance. She was talking about bringing us into NATO. It, it is nothing of the sort. It is it is essentially information sharing uh, so that we improve our situ- situational awareness. So all the Western North Atlantic nations improve their situational awareness so they have a better view on what's going on. Um, okay, go back to the issue then about whether or not we are capable of, whether we want to or not. <laughs> Uh, whether we have the capacity or the capability to secure and protect these, as you say, very, um, very valuable, uh, this very valuable infrastructure. What we're looking at now, that the kind of emerging naval landscape or the emerging security landscape in the North Atlantic, we're looking probably at a patchwork of different partnerships. Um, Ireland working with the United Kingdom with its capabilities, with our capabilities. Norway, Denmark, uh, the United States, Canada, Iceland, they're all the big Western players around the North Atlantic Rim. But of course, we can't really do anything uh, without, without industry. They must step up as well to to develop or, or to procure different technologies uh, to monitor this infrastructure and indeed keep keep the line open to, to different governments uh, on 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 the different risks and the different threats uh, that, that are posed. So it, 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 is, it is cooperation between different actors, through different organizations, the European Union, through NATO, and, and with infrastructure. So it's, it's, it's really a team effort now that needs to develop uh, to, keep this, uh, to, to keep this infrastructure safe. This infrastructure is very, very important for Irish society and its economy. The last thing I was saying that, and, and, you know, the world is not going to dance to Ireland's tune or to Irish uh, political sensitivities. And when, when security matters get very, very serious in Europe, and when, when we talk about undersea cables, they, are, they have entered this terrain now that NATO is seen as the most security, the most serious security organization, the one that is trusted most to bring about uh, solutions uh, that can deter aggression. So it is not surprising that a lot of our European neighbors want to do this under under the NATO banner and NATO has stepped up. So being a firm part of that team uh, to protect these cables in the North Atlantic 
means flexible cooperation with NATO. What can we bring to the party, though, given like all, most of our ships are tied up in, in Cork at the moment? Uh, like we, our capability in terms of of what we can offer and to support any operation to protect and secure these subsea cables must be pretty limited at the moment. Yes. Um, I mean, the Irish Defence Forces are in crisis. And I, I don't think it's a crisis wholly of their making. It, it is because of, of weak uh, civilian policy making and, and weak defence governance, really. So how worried should we be right now of, of how vulnerable those subsea cables are? These cables are very vulnerable, particularly uh, at subsea cable nodes. Um in and around Ireland's exclusive economic zone. So that's that's places of very, very high cable density. I, I gave an interview in the spring where we had where we had commercial vessels, Russian registered commercial vessels, loitering with intent around there. And it only takes a couple of rusty ships with ship repair equipment to actually cut these cables. They're very, very weak and, and vulnerable and feeble in in many ways. And a month later, I think that was April, a month later, around May time, we also had Russian military vessels loitering around. So so the level of disruption can be quite significant. And and of course, uh, that carries huge economic risk and and, and reputational risks. If, If People don't see that it's safe to invest in Ireland. They might invest somewhere else. You know, it's it's a it's a competitive market. Or if they see the costs from security and insurance, if it's the private sector uh, that is is paying for all this, are, 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 if the, if that's driving costs up, they might look for a cheaper option elsewhere. We're seeing this all over the world now. Uh, China is investing in infrastructure all over Africa, Latin America, and in Asia. These markets, because of that infrastructure for data are becoming much, much more competitive and, and in tech in general. So if it's cheaper to go off and invest there for different reasons and security costs can be one of those reasons, then uh, it, it might hurt Ireland's, uh, Ireland's, economic, um, Ireland's economic competitiveness. Does our, uh, shall we say, um, challenges here in terms of our ability to, to offer, you know, blanket security for these or, or strong security, a strongly secure environment for these, is that driving up insurance costs for the firms? And is that, could that, is that an issue here that we're not hearing more about? Well, it's this is this is a kind of a new a new threat. The last two or three years, I mean, I, I spoke to someone from a Finnish development or not Finnish development company, a Finnish energy company last week, and he goes that this is going to. He was talking about the Baltic connector that I mentioned. He's going to say this is going to really slow down the development of undersea infrastructure, and uh, definitely in the Baltic and indeed in the North Atlantic. Um, we're seeing a rise in this infrastructure, particularly in, in electricity uh, connections, because we're trying to wean ourselves off Russian energy in the Baltic, but but also around the North Atlantic as well. There's another electricity connector planned between Ireland and France. We are, we already have electricity connector between, between Ireland and the UK. So insurance companies, uh, they're dealing with industry, they're looking at what governments are doing. And and as I mentioned before, what we're looking looking at is probably a patchwork between different partners, different governments around the North Atlantic Rim and industry as well, because they they will have to play their role. And and their role is, is probably carrying some of the costs for this. 
They'll probably pass some of that on to consumers. And their role is also procuring some very innovative technologies, submersive technologies, sensors, etc., um, that can keep an eye on disruption uh, to these undersea systems. Do you think, finally, that there is a, a good appreciation here in Ireland of how important this issue is or how, and how vulnerable um, those cables are? I, I think I think we're getting there and, and and we we need to come to this um we need to come to this ourselves in Ireland. No one's I mean, I, I talk to to some experts, you know, that there's some expert commentary out there saying that, you know, that Ireland's partners will make Ireland aware of this and, and will be kind of embarrassed into doing doing something about it. Um, I don't think that is a very good formula for making tangible policy that we must uh, come to understand that securing this infrastructure, and we, we've only talk, spoken about undersea infrastructure today, you could talk about our airspace as well and the violations that have gone on there. There's, there's all sorts of different, and our cyber security, there's all sorts of hybrid, you know, thank Thank, uh, we should be thanking our lucky stars. We, we will probably never have to face a ground invasion, but there's all sorts of ways we can be exploited as the geopolitical environment deteriorates. So the only way we, we can manage this is by taking this into, their, into our own hands and boosting the capabilities in our defence forces. That's great. Owen, thanks very, very much for your time. Thank you very much, Katie. And that was Owen McNamara. Thanks for listening to Upfront, the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can message us on social media at RTE Upfront or via WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp number is 087 677 And don't forget to tune in to Upfront on Monday evening at 10.35 on RTE1 and on the RTE player. And I will speak to you then.